The blackmail targets are approached with a gun, a child and a camera. The target is ordered to rape the child on video. The target is then ordered to shoot the child on video. The target is then owned and controlled by the blackmailers until blackmail evidence loses its value. I have no idea of the extent of the blackmail scheme of raping and killing children, but given the number of agencies involved, the hundreds of thousands of missing children and the otherwise inexplicable actions of many powerful officials, celebrities and business leaders, I fear the worst. Hey friends, that was just one of the many quotes from author Fergus Greenwood's new book, 180 Degrees, Unlearn the Lies You've Been Taught to Believe. And in this important conversation, we talk about the enemies of humanity, we name them specifically, and we discuss the five obstacles and 10 solutions that work in practice to educate those who have no idea about the satanic elite and their penchant for pedophilia, child sacrifice, and the enslavement of humankind. Friends, before we start this one, just a quick word about our sponsor. Gold prices could surge to $4,000 an ounce in 2023, and Noble Gold Investments has the details. As recession fears persist, Jorg Keener, Chief Investment Officer of Swiss Asia Capital, said that many economies could face a bit of a recession in the first quarter, which would lead to many central banks slowing their pace of interest rate hikes making gold instantly more attractive. If 2022 taught us anything at all, it's that tangible assets are the only assets you can count on, like gold. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, so do your own due diligence. Thousands of people have started to make a move towards securing their retirement. Join them by opening a gold IRA or silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments. If you get in before the end of this month, you'll get an incredible free quarter-ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Sean from SGT Report with a treat for you. I've got an author on the line. His name is Fergus O'Connor Greenwood. And man, has he written an epic tome. 777 pages, to be exact. Friends, stop for a moment and take a look at the world around you. Does everything seem normal or is it all upside down? I think we know the answer to that. Do you think it's happening just by chance? Is it all an accident? And if it's not, wouldn't you like to know what's really going on? Fergus, I think my audience is well aware of what's going on. The Davos World Economic Forum Viper Conference just wrapped. And man, are they in the open about their anti-human plans at this point. Welcome to the show, Fergus. Hey, thanks, Sean. Thanks for having us on. It's nice to be here. Well, thanks for sending me your epic tome, 777 pages, 180 degrees, Unlearn the Lies You've Been Taught to Believe. That's the book, guys. Friends, you know, one of the ways that I think is very useful to wake people up, and I'm not very good at it. I wish I was more humorous, but I think humor is a fantastic way to wake people up. Fergus, I want to share this with you. I shared it over on Twitter. Keep in mind that this clip, put together by Saturday Night Live, was aired probably more than a decade ago, starring Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. And you're not going to believe how it's tagged at the end. Listen to this. Mmm, pizza. I didn't hear the delivery guy pull up. That's because it's not delivery. Really? And it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. Come on, that's pizza. No, it's very nearly pizza, but not quite. It's almost pizza. See? Come on, let's eat. So it's uh, 
tofu pizza or something like that. No, you could put tofu on a pizza and still legally call it pizza. But don't call this pizza. It's almost pizza. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. But it's food, though, right? Come on. Mmm, pizza. Nice one, Mom. Okay, hang on here. What exactly is this, Carol? It looks like pizza. It's meant to. But it's not. If it was pizza, it would just say pizza. Look, I'll eat some. Pizza. That was their intention. Whose? Just try it, Tom. It's getting cold. No. If anything, it's getting hotter. Okay, what is this, Carol? Just eat some. Hell no. I'll eat it. No. <laughs> what the f I never said it was pizza. <laughs> if it's almost dinner, it's almost time for almost pizza. The thing that's much like pizza, roughly speaking. From oh. Pfizer. <laughs> Friends, you probably wondered why I was going to let that play for the entire minute. The tag is priceless. Fergus, brought to you by Pfizer. Almost pizza. Well, it's almost a vaccine, but really it's a bioweapon. Yeah, correct, Sean. And I think, uh, I mean, the whole thing's been theater from the start. And of course, uh, that's how they use those type of lies is... um, but when you know that they invert everything, then normally you can see the lie more easily. So, um, you know, they told us that uh, a virus had been released and therefore they needed to bring in a vaccine. Whereas most of us now know that they needed to bring in the vaccine bioweapon and therefore um, release the virus. That's right. All they do is lie. You know, you've got a chapter here in your book called The Big Lie. What do you think is the biggest lie at this point? Is it the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine? Is it the World Economic Forum and the United Nations Agenda 2030 policy to bring us to our knees economically without any access to affordable forms of energy? Is it climate change? I've got a clip from Angry Al Gore to play in a second, but what is the big lie at this point in your view? And by the way, it was either Plato or Socrates who said, and I quote, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. They don't want us to think at all. But the problem for them at this point, Fergus, is people are starting to think. People are starting to wake up and ask questions. What is the biggest lie in your view? Well, certainly the three you've quoted there have to be in the top 10 at the moment. Um, I would say the biggest uh, lie of all is trying to persuade you that uh, you're not a spiritual being having a physical existence. Because I think when you strip everything back, that's where the real war is being fought. I think you're spot on. That is a great response. They don't want us to think the devil's real. The one they worship, Lucifer. Truly, at the highest levels, these people worship Lucifer and they sacrifice children. They take part in satanic rituals. No kidding. Yeah. The, the sheeple people don't want to believe that's true. But we know from Jimmy Savile, we know from Sir Edward Sir Edward Heath, who's said to have killed as many as 16 children, but that only came out after he died. I mean, the list is long of pedophiles and satanic ritual abuse. It runs in the families. These people practice this, and they have since the beginning of time. These are the Babylonian slave drivers, these people. Really, it's like Hugh said, follow the bloodlines. Yeah, so um, in the book, I have two quotes, um, well... There's five quotes, really, that tie uh, what you're on about there all together. But um, let me give you the two from Dave Jander and Lynn Wood. 
um, for those who aren't fully aware of how the blackmail operation operates. So this is Dave Janders, a very well-known political figure, I will not tell you who, said, I'm going to give you some advice, and it might sound off the wall, but I want you to listen to it. When you're in Washington, never go to a private party in Washington, D.C., and that includes at the vice president's house. The vice president at the time was George H.W. Bush. It might seem an innocuous situation. You're invited by a congressman to go over for a football game. You were there and there is alcohol and kids walking around. But Dave, someone will slip something into your drink. You will wake up hours later and there will be a Polaroid picture on your chest with you with one of those kids. This is how they get you. The second quote from Linwood is far worse. I believe a multitude of powerful individuals worldwide are being blackmailed in a horrendous scheme involving rape and murder of children captured on videotape. I have the key to the files containing the videos. I have also shared this information. The blackmail targets are approached with a gun, a child and a camera. The target is ordered to rape the child on video. The target is then ordered to shoot the child on video. The target is then owned and controlled by the blackmailers until blackmail evidence loses its value. I have no idea of the extent of the blackmail scheme of raping and killing children, but given the number of agencies involved, the hundreds of thousands of missing children and the otherwise inexplicable actions of many powerful officials, celebrities and business leaders, I fear the worst. Those are powerful quotes. You know, I used to have Dave Janda on quite often. Haven't spoken with him in a while. I need to reinvite him. It makes me wonder if he said those words on my show because we've had so many conversations about this topic. And yeah. do you think that the video that is said to exist of Hillary Clinton and Uma Abedin raping and killing a child? Do you think that's real? We're told that there was a video like that on the end of the frazzled laptop. One. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is that the frazzled one? That's correct. That's what it's called. I don't know exactly why it's called Frazzle Drip, but yes, we are told that grizzled detectives, New York cops who witnessed a video found on Anthony Weiner's laptop were brought to their knees in tears because of the horrific nature of what they saw. And it is said, it's almost urban legend at this point because I don't have any proof of it, but it is said that it was Hillary Clinton and Uma Abedin surgically cutting the face off a child and then butchering, murdering the child. Do you think that exists? I know things like that exist. I know people do those things. I wonder if that particular video involving those two women does exist. I couldn't comment, Sean. I mean, uh, the point is here for me is to try and get to the bottom of why this is happening because I don't think it's just about um, blackmail and control. I think you have to look at the spiritual side of this war Uh, to understand that. And maybe I can give you three quotes from the book, which will explain the link between um, paedophilia and the vax. Yeah, please do. And the the satanic ritual abuse. So there's one from Jennifer, who's an SRA survivor. She said the following. I believe believe Fiona talked about uh, Fiona Barnett, who was also a a survivor. I believe Fiona because I've been there. I found a book to be incredibly healing for me. I was a sex sacrifice. My father became empowered and rich via his abuse of me, and he gifted me to the order to empower other Luciferians among them. 
I discovered that sexually abusing a child usually opens a spiritual portal to allow in high-level demons and the most powerful are child sexual abuse demons and the highest among those are incest demons called Nephilim spirit demons. Demon-possessed people get superhuman abilities. Now, um, next one's from Freeman Fly, but before I go to that, uh, we haven't... Maybe I haven't got time to do it here, but for those who followed Jerry Mazinski, who's a U.S. Um, psychotherapist, uh, one of his conclusions after studying schizophrenics for 40 years was that the voices weren't coming from um, inside the head. They were coming from outside and that some of these people occasionally would show um, superhuman uh, levels of strength. So five foot nothing. um prisoners tossing around two and a half, uh, six and a half foot uh, beefcake guards against the wall. So just bear that one in mind in terms of superhuman abilities. Uh, next quote from Freeman Fly. Uh, I've been to all the Grand Lodges across the globe. London, Australia, every Grand Lodge in America, you will see all the prime ministers in their Freemasonic garb all over the building. There's not one of them not going through these rituals. I've personally witnessed some of these people being inhabited by some dark entities because I've seen their eyes after the rituals inside these Grand Lodges. Now, we tie it together with a quote, and this amazingly was Rudolf Steiner, Lecture 13, The Fallen Spirits Influence the World. He said this in Dornach, Switzerland, on the 27th of October, 1917, so over 100 years ago, and he said the following. I have told you that the spirits of darkness are going to inspire their human hosts in whom they will be dwelling to find a vaccine that will drive all inclination towards spirituality out of people's souls when they are still very young. And I think that is the bottom of the rabbit hole when it comes to this vaccine is I think they're trying to get control of the soul and the reincarnation process. But if you don't believe you're a spiritual being having a physical existence, uh, how on earth are you going to wrap your head around that? And um, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't fight someone if you don't know what their tactics are and what they're up to. Well, that's very well said. And, uh, you know, it calls to mind what you just said about the vaccine. These people do want to kill God in all of us, right? They hate God. That's why they hate children specifically. They want to anger God. They want to mock God. And what I recall, based on what you were just saying there, is that uh, there was a mother whose son took part in the trial, the Moderna trial, for the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, this mRNA jab. And she says that her son was a good Christian teenager filled with life and love for God. And after he took part in the trial, he reported to his mother that he could no longer feel God. He felt empty and he didn't want to live anymore. I think that is not just an effect of the vaccine. I think it is the meant effect. I think these things are designed to try to kill God. And there is some evidence to suggest that in the patents. They're targeting whatever it is in our brain and souls that helps us feel God. They want to kill God, Fergus. Uh, pretty much. Uh, and even if you don't believe in God, they certainly want to play God. And the uh, the bottom line is they want to move us from organic to completely synthetic. So the whole agenda is totally anti-human. 
Yeah. All right, guys. But, I think- but you're right on that um, energy thing, because I've also heard, um, admittedly anecdotal stories, but from Reiki healers and people like that who said uh, there's definitely been a disconnection with some of their clients uh, with the soul not struggling to find the body. Guys, let me back up so we can move forward here. I didn't cue this up quite as well as I should have in terms of this interview. What we're going to do today is talk about how to communicate the truth to others who have opposing views without alienating them. And I think that is a great segue to a clip I want to play from Angry Al Gore at Davos. Now, friends, what happens when you get really passionate about a topic and you're having a conversation with somebody who just doesn't want to hear it and they're bombastic. You get angry, they get angry. It's really no way to communicate, right? Communication breaks down when people get angry. I make that point because what you're about to hear from angry Al Gore is a guy who's extremely angry because nobody is buying his bullshit. Nobody is buying his World Economic Forum, New World Order narrative anymore. I mean, some people are really dumb people, the sheeple people, I guess, by the climate change lie. But the rest of us are waking up in droves. Now, I want to play this clip of Al Gore at Davos and tell me if this is a man who feels like his narrative is still working, that people want to hear it and that he's right. No, nope, he's angry. Why is he so angry? Listen to this. We're still putting 162 million tons into it every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance. Now that's funny. Al Gore worried that we will lose our ability for self-governance. He doesn't want us to be self-governed. He wants us to bow to the new world order. And by the way, he profits from these lies. Look that up. Look up Al Gore's interests in the climate change lie. Fergus, why do you think he sounds so angry? And do you think that's an effective form of communication? Well, it's definitely not an effective form of communication. In fact, uh, it's the best way of getting people to switch off um, from listening to you. I mean, obviously what he's saying is total bullshit. Um, I mean, I've got a quote in the book that goes back to 1922, fear-mongering about us all being drowned in 11 years' time. You know, it's always 11 years away for some reason, and it never turns up. So, yeah, maybe... uh, Maybe it comes off, uh, thou doth protest just too hard sometimes. Yeah, the lady doth protest too much. Yeah, I can't stand these people. They're so evil. But the good news is they wear their evil on their sleeves now. Klaus Schwab, I mean, he's like a bad guy in a Bond movie (laughs) out of central casting. Yeah, yeah. They've lost control of the narrative, man. I mean, think about 20 years ago. Think about just 10 years ago. Remember when there was going to be, we were told, a seismic shift in human consciousness because of 2012 and the end of the Mayan calendar? There was going to be a great awakening in humanity? Well, flash forward 10 years later, and it kind of seems like that's the case. People are waking up in droves, man. Correct. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend, uh, Abner. He's been... um 
dealing, uh, working with spirits since he was five years old. He's now 80. Uh, working with the poor, um, never charged anything. He says two things. He said, uh, the more I help people for free, the more I'm allowed to see. And, uh, yeah, some of his stories are quite amazing. But, um, yeah, back to you. All right. Well, five obstacles everyone faces. That's something we're going to talk about here. And I'm sure when you emailed me that you meant obstacles we face in communicating the truth with others. I think one of those obstacles, and I say this a lot, Fergus, is that most people don't understand the language. If they don't know what a central bank is, if they don't know what happened in 1913 under the watch of Woodrow Wilson, if they don't know what happened at Jekyll Island, if they don't know who the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers are, how can they possibly have a conversation about the truth? Is that the main stumbling block? Is it ignorance versus enlightenment? How do you have a conversation with people who aren't equipped? They don't know the language. Well, you've got... You're talking there about um, the data and the information. Of course, that's what they need to get into their heads. But it's how you put it into their heads is the important bit. I always say uh, the truth movement doesn't have an evidence problem. It has a communication problem. The evidence is overwhelming. But how do you get that communicated through? So um, I would say there's five main hurdles I'm going to do that through a couple of quotes as well. So Walter Lippmann in Public Opinion in 1921 said, we do, not, uh, we do not see and then define. We define first and then see. That means we decide on a story and then we go out to find the evidence to confirm the story, not the other way around. This is why the media often has the power, because they get the story in first and keep repeating it. Second, uh, this one's attributed to Mark Twain, although I'm not sure he actually said it. It's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. Once people have adopted a position, it's far harder to get them out of that position than it was to put them there in the first place. Third one I'm sure you're familiar with, Yuri Bezmanov from 1984 in the G. Edward Griffin uh, interview. A person who is demoralised is unable to access true information. Um, so he says, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who is demoralized is unable to access true information. The facts tell him nothing. Even if I shower him with information, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him a concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it. Okay, that sounds pretty dire. But bear in mind, that's going to be 10 to 20% of your population. Does it matter? No, because you're going to be focused on the other 80%. The next one is called the backfire effect. That's when people are presented with evidence that challenges their current beliefs. The new evidence tends to solidify their old beliefs more. So we think we're going to have a conversation with someone. They're going to listen to us and adjust their position accordingly. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. Quite often when you're dealing with powerful beliefs, you're just going to uh, solidify their beliefs more. And finally, this is definitely counterintuitive. People will forgive you for being wrong, but often won't forgive you for being right. You think, well, why is that? Well, I think Jordan Peterson covered this one. He said, we've got an invisible counter in our heads, in our subconscious. And if we're shown to be wrong in public, then basically we will step down the social hierarchy. 
And your brain knows that the lower down the social hierarchy you are, the harder life you're going to have, and therefore it doesn't want to put you there. Mm. So those are the five, uh, I'd say, key hurdles that we need to get across. So there's also something called the communication trap. And this is what you um, were referencing earlier, Sean, with the anger. So the communication trap is this. You learn the truth. You get angry at being lied to. This also inflames the truth tellers need to be right. You then communicate that truth while still being annoyed at being duped in an unconsidered way, triggering the backfire effect, i.e. rejection of the message. You become frustrated at people not seeing the truth, try again with even more evidence and conviction and fail bigger. So those are the challenges. Friends, just a real quick break and a word about our sponsor. Noble Gold Investments wants to let you know that gold was the best investment class for 2022. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results. So do your own due diligence. According to longtermtrends.net, gold actually outperformed the S&P, the Dow, and Bitcoin in 2022. So what are you waiting for? Open a gold IRA or silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments this month and receive a free one-quarter ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000 or more. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Guys, on page 190 of this book is a quote from our friend Michael Krieger. I've had him on the show, Liberty Blitzkrieg's Michael Krieger. And it ties everything we just talked about together because when people don't know the truth, if they don't understand the history, if they don't know what a central bank is, they will willingly go along with people like Al Gore. They will fall prey to the fear. These people sell fear and the masses who are uneducated, well, they fall prey to that fear and they're easily steerable. They're malleable in the hands of these central bankers. Michael Krieger said, I remain stunned by how little the inequality obsessed left talks about central banking. So that really ties together what I was trying to say, Fergus, is that these people who want to control the world, the people at the World Economic Forum, people like Al Gore, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. These people understand what a central bank is. In the case of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, they control the central banks. It should be noted that these people are also the architects of communism, Fergus. So that's what's being sold to the people now, and the people don't know any better. Yeah, which is why I've covered it in depth in Chapter 7, which is called American Gulag. But we start exactly off with that, which is a Bolshevik revolution. Um, the two chapters before that are all on banking. And uh, I hope what I've managed to achieve is write a book that's very accessible for newbies and still entertaining and interesting and still a lot of facts for the veterans in the space. Um, I'll give you an example. I was giving a talk in Lancaster and a guy came up to me at the end and said, um, oh, I've read your book. I said, thanks very much. He said, I've got a story for you. I said, go on. He said, um, I gave it to my friend's son who doesn't read books, teenage son who doesn't read books, and he handed it over, you know, and it's a bit of a tomb. And uh, the kid said, well, what the fuck am I meant to do with that? And he said, just read the prologue and see how you go. Well, the teenage kid who doesn't read books finished the 800-page nonfiction book in two weeks flat. (laughs) 
So I'm hoping not only is this book a tool to um, educate uh, the veterans in how to communicate, but it will do the heavy lifting for you if you're giving it to someone who's coming at this all cold. And that's what I've tried to achieve. Well, and one thing I want to say about this book, my audience will really appreciate this book and reading this book because there's quotes in this book from people that I've interviewed over the years repeatedly. On page 205 here, you've got a quote from Alistair McLeod. I've had him on repeatedly. You've got a quote here from Dave Kranzler, Investment Research Dynamics. Yeah. I mean, this thing reads like an SGT report interview over maybe decades here, a decade of interviews, in fact. Well, I'll take that as a compliment, Sean. <laughs> Well, thank you. No, I really appreciate that. I appreciate the book, too. And uh, since I'm on that chapter about real money in banking, central banking, you mentioned Bitcoin, or at least Alistair McLeod did in this quote. What do you make of Bitcoin? And the reason I ask you, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole very far, but uh, there was news that broke over the weekend that SWIFT, the SWIFT system, is going to be turned off to Binance. The biggest crypto broker in the world, I think, is Binance. They're even bigger than Coin. Mm-hmm. And the SWIFT system, the SWIFT system is going to be turned off for anybody who has less than $100,000 in crypto at Binance. And that switch is being flipped off on February 1st. So to me, again, it's these central bankers. It's the fear. They, they must really fear Bitcoin if they want to try to eliminate people's ability to use Binance to buy and sell crypto by switching off SWIFT. Did you hear about that? What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, to come back to your original question, which is what do I think of Bitcoin? Um, it's a bit like uh, what do I think of a gun? It depends on who's, the, who's on the other end of it. I think a lot of people get confused in the crypto space between the centralized coins and the decentralized coins. For me, I've said in the book, decentralized crypto is potentially ultimate freedom and centralized crypto is guaranteed enslavement. So when you're talking about is crypto good or bad, I think you have to at least divide it into those two categories before you can give an answer that makes sense. Yeah. I mentioned the architects of communism, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the bankers. Mm -hmm. The connections between Karl Marx and the Rothschilds, it cannot be overstated. I mean, essentially, the Rothschilds are the creators of Marxism. And you note on page 225 that their goal is the elimination of all rights to private property. Now, we can see these talking points coming out at the World Economic Forum. You will own nothing and be happy, they say. Their other goal, the demolition of the family and the destruction of religion. These are the ideas of Karl Marx, and these are the goals of the Rothschilds in the World Economic Forum. So it is truly a return to 14th century serfdom. That's what they want for human beings. And what's funny is they try to sell it to us with the word equality, right? Yeah, of course. As good-natured people, the dummies will believe, oh, well, they want to lift up the third world. No. Under United Nations Agenda 2030 policies, and by the way, the Rockefellers donated the land in New York City upon which the UN headquarters sits. They don't want to raise up the third world. They want to drag us down to the third world. They want us living as slaves everybody on the planet, thereby we're all equal. That's their idea of equality, Fergus. Correct. Well, the interesting thing with, um, I mean, when you strip it back, basically the the capitalist and communist system 
is basically one system because it's the same hidden hand behind the two. And it's really difficult for people to get their head around that. But uh, I hopefully make the case quite well in the book. But um, coming back to Marx, the two things you need to know is uh, Marx often is seen as the poster child for communism and the banking cabal as a poster child for um, capitalism. But they've got a couple of things in common. One, they were both promoting a central bank. And two, Karl Marx was actually married into the Rothschild family. Um, I think it was Lionel Rothschild was his um, third cousin. So, you know, uh, if you're trying, if anyone's trying to put those two individuals on opposite sides of the fence, you might want to rethink that one. Well, that's funny. Uh, You know, I talked to G. Edward Griffin, and uh, I'll just make one more aside about central banking and government and fiat. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to ask you this. In the Islamic world, usury is a crime. It's outlawed. There is no usury. That means there is no usurious interest rates. And at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, I think we'll both agree that is the magic potion. That is the ingredient by which these central bankers are enslaving humanity through interest rates, usurious interest rates, and then, of course, inflation. So one way or the other, and I think people like G. Edward Griffin warned us, if you ever, it was probably Thomas Jefferson, actually, who said, if these people ever get control of the central banks, of the fiat printing presses, they will, over generations, enslave us. They will enslave future generations. I'm paraphrasing. Um, Yeah, yeah. No, we've got... um... It's not actually a Jefferson quote, but it often gets attributed to him. I do have it in the book. But as I also say, just because someone famous didn't didn't actually say it doesn't mean it isn't true. You're absolutely right. And uh, for the people, uh, there's another quote regarding that that definitely made my eyebrows uh, rise up. And that was listening to Penny Kelly. She said the following, when a planet accepts usury, it's the beginning of the end, which would indicate it's been done before somewhere else. I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting perspective. Right. All right. Well, you and I have sort of broken open the big lies, right? Everybody knows that at the end of the day, these people worship Lucifer, the people at the top of the pyramid literally worship the dark one. They don't want us to know that. Well, and actually, it does seem like they're starting to want us to know that. Right. They're starting to tell us that revelation of the method. Yeah. Lucifer is their God. That's right. The revelation of the method. That's right. And it makes sense then that YouTube will allow videos with overtly demonic symbology, literally upside down crosses, uh, people wearing 666 shirts, people in music videos, essentially worshiping Lucifer. And there's that video with Lil Nas. Is that his name? Yeah. Writhing on Satan. (laughs) That's acceptable, right? Those people get success and they get to have YouTube channels and they get to have advertising. It is the revelation of the method. These people at the top worship Lucifer. And frankly, they want us all to. Yeah. Uh, Shall we get on with uh, the 10 solutions I've got for how to communicate the truth? Let's do that. I was going to try to make a brilliant segue to it, but you just... Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, no, you're good. I'm enjoying the conversation. Ten solutions that work in practice in terms of communicating the truth to others. Ten solutions. What are they? Okay. First of all, be kind first, be right later. 
So this is a bit like, imagine you're the person you're speaking to is a traumatised puppy from a dog rescue centre. You're not going to go in there and try and teach it a new trick straight away. First of all, you're going to try and gain its trust, and you're going to do that with love, empathy and compassion, maybe even feed it. The same works with the human variety. Number two, you win by not winning. If your aim is to convince the other person uh, of your position, you have already lost before you've opened your mouth. Let me repeat that. If your aim is to convince the other person that your view is correct, you've already lost before you open your mouth. Why? Because you've got the wrong objective. A good objective might be, for example, to get them to ask you a question because part of this process is to let them discover some of the stuff for themselves. Third, you need to seed, not succeed. So it's a bit like uh, taking an apple pip and putting it in your garden. You don't expect to see a tree uh, having grown fully overnight. So why are you expecting that person to have changed their beliefs in a short period of time? They're not going to do it. What they need is number four, absorption and processing time. If you don't let them have that, then they're going to shut down. Tip number five is called sponge up the vitriol spew. So if you're, we're back to the anger thing here. So quite often, if someone's challenged with information that's different to their beliefs, they're going to regurgitate over you everything they know um, until they've got it all out. Do not interrupt them while doing so. You need to behave like a sponge, not a tennis racket. Don't bat anything back, just absorb all that energy. Next up is talk to the elephant first. So this was a tip from Jonathan Haidt and taps into the work uh, Daniel Kahneman as well. So instincts and emotion come first, strategic reasoning second. Haidt's analogy of the elephant and is of uh, an elephant and the person riding it. The elephant being your emotions and values, the rider the strategic reasoning part. His tip, talk to the elephant first. Next up is if someone is uh, spouting a load of BS you completely disagree with, please don't tell them that that's what they're doing because they'll get a little bit upset and angry. You can use uh, phrases like, is that so? That allows you to keep the conversation going without agreeing or disagreeing with them. Another tip is to ask uh, questions, not make statements. A question opens the mind a statement closes the mind. And you can't give solutions to people not asking questions. Then we have the fact that people will slide from A to Z, not jump from A to Z. So if you're dealing with someone who still believes the government is telling them the truth, there's no point talking about satanic ritual abuse and other stuff like that, because they'll just look at you like you've got three heads. So take the time to understand where they are on the scale and understand they have to move from A to B to C to D to E. It can be a little bit frustrating, but the reality is that um, truth uh, has different uh, attributes than lies do. So lies are quick. The truth is slow. Um, you cannot uh, you have to work with truth's natural velocity, not against it because truth is an exponential function, 
exponential function. So it does nothing for a very long time, and then it does everything all at once. So the daily grind of getting the truth out there is what gets us over the finish line. So I'll give you a tip from, uh, this was a sentence I found off the internet, which is like is a great um, example of the trim tab experiment. I call it trim tabbing because it picks up on the Buckminster Fuller um, idea. You said you could be a trim tab, which on a super tanker, you have a rudder and within the rudder, you have a tiny rudder. He said, if you want to move that super tank around, you don't move the rudder first, you move the tiny rudder. The tiny rudder moves the bigger rudder, and the bigger big rudder moves the whole ship. So this is a sentence I found, uh, which I think explains it very well. Everyone needs to stop trying to red pill people who are in a coma. I've been pink pilling people. I take one small truth and show it to them. Then let them think about that. There's your absorption and processing time. Then they will start asking questions. Then I will show them another, and it is working. And the last point is uh, facts don't change minds, friends do. And this is really important because what it means is it brings this back to a word of mouth thing. So the real conundrum, Sean, is this. Uh, It's the many versus the money. They have the money in the media, we have the numbers. So all it involves is us leveraging those numbers in a meaningful way. The other thing in our advantage now is, as Charles Mackay said, in Popular Disillusions and the Madness of Crowds, people go mad in herds while they only recover their senses slowly one by one. Now, what normally wakes people up is extreme pain, And that is what's about to arrive with all the vax damage and the deaths. So I'm going to give you a very easy way of uh, taking a room of 35 people and in seven steps, having reached everyone everyone of the whole population in the US. And we do that by a simple geometric progression. So you have 35 people and you ask them each to have 10 conversations or one conversation with 10 people that they know. And then those 10 go and have uh, another 10 conversations. And we can get to 350 million in seven steps. So we start with 35. Step one, 350. Step two, three and a half thousand. Step three, 35,000. Step four, 350,000. Step five, three and a half million. Step six, 35 million. Step seven, 350 million. But the good news is you don't have to reach everyone in the country. You only have to reach three and a half to five percent to enact radical change. So if, for example, uh, you've got a fairly big audience, I think, uh, Sean, seeing as you've been at it so long. Imagine if three and a half thousand people went out and had those 10 conversations and gave the people the tools I've just explained in how to communicate. Then you could get everyone in the country in just five steps. I love it. I like your optimism, too. And when I get out of bed in the morning, Fergus, I always try to see our cup as half full, even on the gloomiest days. And I really do think that uh, we've hit a tipping point. And it really has these people at the World Economic Forum. That's why Al Gore sounds so angry. He's really, really angry because what used to be an easy sell is no longer an easy sell. They're trying to sell us on our own slavery. And you know what? Once you wake up, That's an impossible sell. I don't care how good a salesman you are. 
So I guess my final question to you is, and you got to speculate for me, but what is your outlook for humanity? These people are kind of cornered. You know, we know what their goals are for United Nations. We know what their goals are by 2030, UN Agenda 2030. But I think they're going to have a really hard time selling that to humanity. I mean, look at the puppets they put in place. Look at Biden. Look at Trudeau. Look at your prime ministers over there in the UK. I mean, these people are literally just deplorable, the worst of the worst. Look at Macron, a former Rothschild banker placed in power in France. I mean, it's a hard sell when people wake up. What's your outlook for humanity? Well, it's positive because uh, a couple of things. The way we win this is you never give in. Four words. You never give in. That's how we win it. Um, I say in the book, uh, the battle for the soul of humanity is already underway. Imagine how good your cosmic CV is going to look if you've helped move the planet from sociopathy to peace. You chose to incarnate at this point. It's time to own that decision. Now, I have a friend um, I mentioned earlier, Abner. He's been working with spirits since he was five years old. I said, Abner, can you give me the really big picture here? What the hell's going on? He said, yeah, this is what I was shown by the other side. Um, There's been negative energies attached to the earth for going back millennia, maybe even to the beginning. He said, what I've been shown is new energies are coming in. There's going to be a big old fight between the two whilst this is happening. But in the end, the negative are going to lose and they're going to have to fuck off. Now, he also said things are going to get worse before they get better because it's like a boil and that boil is yet to burst. But we can't be that far off. And I think it's in Chinese they say a crisis is also opportunity. What we need to do is provide the solutions uh, and outlook for people so they can choose something better than what they're going to get force fed by uh, the nut jobs. Yeah, and that shouldn't be hard. It should not be hard. Because no, you, the you jobs, think so. Yeah. The nut jobs are selling us nothing but death in serfdom. So you Correct. said never, ever give in, never give in. I want to add to that. By the way, you also said the many versus the money. I like that. But never, ever give in, never comply, and never accept their offer, friends, for a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, for universal basic income, for living on their plantation for the rest of human history. That's what they want. That's their wet dream, is to control you and your family, if you have a family at all, for the rest of human history. And we cannot, we will not let it happen on our watch. Guys, the book is 180 Degrees, Unlearn the Lies You've Been Taught to Believe. I can't recommend it more highly. A lot of the folks you listen to on my show are quoted and featured in this book, which you can get. Boy, I wish we could tell people to go somewhere other than Amazon. Where else can they get the book? Uh, unfortunately for global distribution, uh, because I've published it myself, it's pretty much the only option now. Um, there is one other, I know the World Council for uh, Health uh, have it on their website. And if you're in the UK, I mean, if you want the hardback version, uh, signed copy, you can contact me directly. Uh, my email is fergusgreenwood at protonmail.com. That's F-E-A-R-G-U-S. It's the Irish spelling of Fergus. So fergusgreenwood at protonmail.com. If someone drops me a line, uh, I can potentially send one out direct, but obviously postage is quite prohibitively expensive if it's going across the pond. Yeah, it is a big book, guys. 777 pages with footnotes and index. Fergus, 
Greenwood, G-R-E-E-N-W-O-O-D, at protonmail.com if you want to get the book and have it signed by Fergus himself. Fergus, I've really enjoyed this conversation. We should do it again sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm working on the new one, which is called uh, No One Should Be Allowed to Die That Happy. That's a full-on spiritual affair. And uh, yeah, I can hopefully take you even deeper onto into the spiritual war with that one. But I'm going to make it as funny as possible because I think at the moment, we've having so much shit thrown at us, uh, I think everyone needs a bit of a laugh too. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I led with the uh, humorous piece from SNL, and uh, humor is a great way to communicate truth. Uh, my hat's off to those who are better at it than I. Uh, I tend to be a little bit more serious in my interviews, but I love humor. And uh, almost pizza, guys. It's almost a vaccine, not quite <laughs> really a bioweapon. Our guest has been Fergus Greenwood. Fergus, thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Sean, and I appreciate all the work you've done over the years. Thank you, sir. A pleasure to have you on. And friends, if you're still with us, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll remind you every single day for free, you can get this information ad-free at sgtreport.tv. And to get the antidote to corporate propaganda and all those mockingbird mainstream media lies, join us for free every single day at sgtreport.com. May God bless you and your family, friends. Bye-bye. Will the people take this responsibility and learn these things and teach them to their children and get together in their churches and organizations and make up their minds? This is the most important thing that any American can do right now in these these times. Learn the rules.